Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to High Low the Podcast. I am actually the guest today. My name is Craig Reynolds and your host, Mr. Dale Holmes. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Smooth. I think we've been, we've been trying to nail this podcast for like a year, right? At the very least. I think there's longer than that, actually. Now, and I'm going to take total blame for it because I, I got so much stuff that takes my time up right now that I've, I'll, it's my fault. Well, I know you're a busy man. We were just talking earlier and uh, we still text here and there and the odd call once in a while and we still yeah. vent and make fun of uh, certain things and that in the, in the BMX world on text. So I said, we got to get all this in a podcast finally. <laughs> yeah, we do, don't we? It's, it's about time for sure. We actually, you know, when I did a podcast, you have been on, I did one, like, I don't know when it was, five, six, seven years ago. I did a couple of months when I first you know, heard about it, and I did one, and you was actually on it, I don't know if you remember. I was? Yeah, yeah, you was one of the first people to do it, so. Come on. Before, yeah, 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 no, so I've still got, i got the files somewhere, actually, i, I got a, quite a few people, I need to see if I can still dig up uh, the files and put them back on, because it would probably be pretty funny to uh, to listen to now, but uh, anyway, all right, well, let's get into it, let's, uh, local, local scene, finding BMX, early 80s, I know, so. Give us, give us a scoop, and then we'll start coming through the years. Yeah, I officially started racing in 81. Prior to that, I was always riding around the neighborhood, you know, jumping curbs. And the big trick was to jump the curb and jump over the grass and land on the sidewalk. Like, that was always the cool thing, and finding the best curbs. And I knew where all the best curbs were in my town, because that's all I did was ride my bike and just go drag race my friends and beat them. And, you know, they stopped racing me, and started doing other things and I'm like, dang, I got no one to race. I, I just want to ride my bike. Um, and then one day my mom was like, Hey Craig, uh, the park force JCs, which is this group in, you know, in my hometown, you know, that does all kinds of support for the town and support people and does all kinds of stuff. They're putting on a BMX race. You want to go do it? And I'm like, absolutely. And I was stoked. Right. I mean, I didn't know what to think. And it was held in a place called Samanak park. And, you know, everything in the Midwest or up in my area was named after Indians and Indian tribes and stuff. So Samanak Park was like one of the parks in the middle of of our town. Um, so one Saturday morning, we went down there, me, my dad, my mom, my, my sister probably came. I'm sure my brother didn't show up. Um, he was always playing tennis. And uh, I was, I mean, it was like, I there might have been four dudes in my class. But for me, it was the greatest thing in the world. And they started us uh, like by a sewer and it was a little hill and they had a wooden plank that two guys were holding. And then they'd say, riders ready, pedal set, go. And they drop it and we'd take off. And instinctively, you know, I'm on the gate just pushing all this pressure and I'm watching the thing bow and I'm like, it's going to break. And they let it go and we take off and, you know, I win the first moto and then I think I won the second moto and won the third moto. And I was like, this was so much fun. And, at the time, I was running a Schwinn Scrambler, um, and it was called Schwinn Scrambler 3636 because it had 36 spokes in each wheel, right? It was it was just a funny little play on the on the thing. It was red, and it was awesome, um, and this is when Schwinn was still based in Chicago, so my dad would just go to, go to Schwinn and pick up a bike. Um, it was awesome. I'm like, wait, you went to the factory? He's like, yeah, they're right downtown. I work right next door, basically. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Um, and I broke one of them, so he had to go back and pick one up. Um, so after that race, there was a, a BMX team there, like a legit team, and it was Dino Cyclery, which was 
<clears throat> just in the next town over in you know suburbs there's no gap between the towns like they back up to each other you know you cross over one border and you're right in the next one kind of like a state mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when you crossed over into you know Richardson Park you go underneath this bridge where the trains go over that take you into the city and it was right in the left hand side so he talked to a guy his name was shoot Steve something dang it why am I drawing I forgot his name Steve Schrader, uh, dude was like 18, probably looked, when I was a kid, looked like he was, you know, seven feet tall. He was probably only like 5'11". Um, and talked to him about, you know, the team and then asked him where the real track was or if there was a real track in the area. And sure enough, 30 minutes away, there was a track in Joliet, Illinois. Um, and that was, you know, 81, started going there. And it was the Bridge Street YMCA. Like it, the YMCA is still there. I actually follow them on Instagram because I'm you know, a fan. And the track was behind the Y. So you'd go there every Saturday morning and you'd race. And when I first got there, I'm like, what is that thing? And there's jumps, there's berms, there's triples. There's people there with full leathers, Bill Walters leathers on and full face helmets. And I'm like, I, this, is, this is my shit. Like, I, I, can't, I, I can't ever not do this. Um, raced got handled right i didn't win a thing for a long time because i didn't know how to do it and i didn't know to pull for the roller or break into the turn and ride wide i was was probably riding the cones and the white line the whole time um but it was a learning process and it was so much fun and it was just it was what i did you know my mom and dad and my brother all played tennis my brother actually went to got a full scholarship to iowa state to play tennis oh wow Um, and i could have I could have followed in their footsteps. And when I think about it, I'm like, man, had I had him teach me how to play tennis better, I would have been better than him. And I could have taken it to the next level. Um, you know, in my mind, I could have been better at least. Um, he'd probably say no, but, <laughs> but you know, everyone did something, but I was wanted to ride a bike and that's where, you know, we would, uh, we'd split up. We'd go race on the weekends. And heck, before that, we used to travel the country to go to tennis matches. So it was kind of like the same thing. You know, we started, racing every weekend, and then we started racing at Itasca and all these other really gnarly tracks in Illinois. Like um, Funway, this amusement park had a track in the back, which was a really good national caliber track. Um, and Peoria, Illinois, and then there was Landmark Speedway in Peoria, I think. I always uh, assume you lived Rockford for some reason. I just, you know. Rockford. You know the funny thing is I never raced Rockford until... Until I turned pro. I didn't even know Rockford existed. I was more MBL than anything else. And I didn't even know Rockford had a track. That's crazy. See, I always had visions of just like you and Mighty Mo racing all the time locally and stuff. You know what? The fun, Mo and I would race. Man, I God, where would we race at? A Brad, a Bourbonnet. There's a track south of me. Um, Bradley Bourbonnet's track. We would race there. But he was a year older than me, so we wouldn't race that often. But we'd always get on the gate together. And... You know, Tillman, you know, Joe, dude, you get on the gate with that dude to practice, you got to go. And yeah, I remember every time I get on the gate, I'd be like, shit, Moses is in lane one. I got to, fuck, I got to go. Yeah, he was fast. I raced him one of my first couple races in the States. Uh, with my first ABA race, Reno. I got second behind Mo in A Pro. So, uh, yeah. Tillman's yeah. fast. Dude, he was fast, man. Yeah, I'm yeah, he was, yeah. He, there was times that he'd get on the gate with me, and I'm like, oh, dude, I didn't want to have to go this lap, but I have to. Right. Like, you know? Like, in practice, I'm like, oh, geez. And then in the wintertime, we would go to this place called Elkhorn, Wisconsin, which was, man, That's you would going, race right? it. I still heard that name. Yeah, dude, that train. Everybody who's anybody would go to Elkhorn and race. Like, 
Mark Melt would go there and was the top pro when we were younger. And Rick Malaterno would show up there once in a while. Um, and uh, just so many good people would come race there, and it was really small. So you had to get a gate and get ready to get hit in the turns. Um, it just, it was awesome. And it was like sub-zero the whole time you'd be there and you'd freeze and it was miserable, but it was so much fun. And it was, you know, it was BMX. And then, you know, Jake and Candy that run Rockford ran the Elkhorn track forever. So you had the same quality and you knew when it was going to start and, and you had, it just, you know, Jake is a wizard with the track, man. Before they had all that soil tack and turned everything to asphalt, he was always so good at making tracks smooth as glass. And you'd show up and just be like, God, i got to change gears because we're going so fast. Because he would just groom the hell out of it. But Elkhorn, you know, it was cold. It would be soft. You know, typical, you know, horse barn. Really, really small horse barn. Um, no heat. Just sub-zero. But, man, you had so much fun. And you had to go there and go fast and learn how to ride your bike. Who was uh, some of your first sponsors? Uh, Dino Cyclery, that bike shop, that was my very first sponsor, and they would run it on a point system. So if you won, you would get five points, and then you would work up to 50 points, and you'd get something at like 10% off or something, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and then after them, I may have ridden by myself for a while, because um, I always seem to have gaps in between sponsors. Uh, then there was Precision Cyclery, which had a, such a stud group of people on there. Um, my buddy Jason Parrott. Um, Brandon Spike, myself, Jay Handy, who was, I'm telling you, the dude saved my career. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the four of us were on the team together and we would all travel together. Our families would pit together. And, um, one year in district Illinois, zero three, Jason got number one, Brandon got two. I got third. I got number three in the district. And it was every weekend, all three of us were winning all weekend. Um, and we were on one team and it was like, man, this is such a cool, solid team. And then I think when that broke up, I went to ride for Funway for a really short period of time because I think Jason went to go ride for them. And then his mom was the team manager and <laughs> his mom was feisty. We were in Orlando one year and I crashed, um, on the step jump out of the second turn, the same jump I crashed on at the Worlds. And we're going to talk um, about that as well. Cause I did, I got a glitch in my riding and I'll tell you about that. Um, <laughs> It, uh, I crashed and I came across and she was, I was winning and she was so mad at me because she's like, you were too busy styling and you crashed. <laughs> I'm like, um, uh, I crashed because I crashed. I wasn't trying to throw a turn bar. I crashed and she was so mad and I went home. I'm like, I quit. I'm done. Like oh, wow. I was done. I, that was, that was the beginning of me, uh, you know, quitting teams when someone would say the wrong thing. <laughs> what was your, your first like factory team then? I, I'm trying to think on the radar when I first saw you. Was that MTS? Maybe zero nine. Oh, Maybe. zero. Yeah, some picture of you in zero nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. And, and I think after Funway, I think I was I was winning enough that I had met Kevin Shetman and Owen Shetman. Uh, met Kevin at the ABA Grands one year, and I asked him for a number plate, and he has said, "Well, yeah, sure, no problem. What number is it?" And I'm like four fifty three. And he said, what? <laughs> it was my first ABA season. So this is before the district because, you know, I couldn't run number three at the Grands. Um, and then slowly I, I built a relationship with them and um, got on zero nine. I don't know exactly what year that was, but then they kicked me off after one year. Why did they kick you off? You know, racing MBL then, I was killing it, right? I was just crushing people. Mm -hmm. And then we went to the ABA Grands one year and I rode down there with Kevin and 
I was so out of my element. Like, it was so weird, like, the whole situation. I remember Zero Nine picked up a whole team. Because prior to that, it was, like, me and Ronnie and maybe someone else. Or you know, it wasn't a whole big team. And then all of a sudden, there was all these people, like, Jerry Jones and Aaron Sally and, um, God, a bunch of people that I didn't have a clue who they were. Mm-hmm. But I'm in this hotel with these dudes, and they're all smoking weed. And I'm like, I got to get out of here. Like, yeah. this isn't a thing. Um, and I was just completely out of my element. I had a bad, bad, bad race weekend. I remember seeing Sam Marilano after my second moto. He's like, Reynolds, what's the matter, dude? You got third moto blues, dude. I'm like, no shit, dude. This is not good. And I was sleeping on the floor, just really, really bad weekend. And I came home, and I got a phone call from the, the guy who was the team manager and literally said, you suck. You're off the team. Oh, wow. Hot I was 14. Flat out, I cried. I was so upset. And I remember my dad took the phone from me. And laid into those dudes. Like, you ever say shit to my kid again, I'm going to kick your ass. Or just fed up and fed up. And that was a fuel for me for years. Yeah. You're going to kick me off? Okay, you're going to regret this shit. And, you know, I think I had a pretty pretty good career for that. Um, That one sucked. That was really, really brutal. So when did you start winning, so what was the NBL title, I guess, age group? What did that have been, about 15-ish or uh, something? I think the first one I won may have been 16. Okay. 16? I tell you, dude, I was, man, it took me forever to figure it out. And it was in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh was always my favorite track. We went there, I started in 81, we went there in 82. And this is when whatever age you were at the beginning of the year was the age that you raced the grandstand. I was 11 racing 10 novice. Right. And I remember coming across the finish line after the first lap of practice. And my dad was at the finish line. He's like, well, what do you think? And I said, man, I don't like it because it was so big and so fast. And it was so out of what, out of the element of what I was used to that, you know, you had to pedal. Like now you're going so fast when you pedal. I was kind of scared. And he's like, just keep going out there have fun. I'm like, all right. So I went out there and had fun and had fun and started picking up speed and going faster. And favorite track. Like it was always my favorite track. I've always thought that I could go there. I, mean, I could go there today and do good at that track. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it, it worked really well with my riding style and what I like. So um, I think the year after I quit was it? Was it was before Funway? So maybe after I quit Funway or something strange, I was riding by myself. I was solo, and I was at South Park racing in sweatpants and a long sleeve white <laughs> t-shirt. Like. Like, you know what? This is what I'm wearing. I don't care. I couldn't care less. My dad's bringing me everywhere. I'm just racing, and I'm going to have fun, and I'm going to go beat up on some people. Yeah. So I won 16X that year and then got second behind Robert Swick in open, only because I got a bad gate. I was late, and I was like, shit. But Swick was, like, sneaky fast, and I thought, I'll still beat him to the first turn. But I didn't beat him to the first turn, and I I tucked in behind him, and Sam got third. Um, And I remember thinking, damn, I should have doubled that race. Mm-hmm. But after that, Bill Prince called me because he was the manager of MCS. He's like, yo, you want to ride? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'd love it. That's great. Let's do it. And MCS was like my first real full factory sponsor that, you know, my dad didn't have to pay for shit. And he started being like, all right, I'm going home. I'm leaving early. I got some golf to go play. <laughs> Who else was on MCS with you at the time? Um, man, we had a good team. Alan Hale. Um... Ah, that was before it. That was before Wildman and Jump Person. Oh before yeah, Eagle that was Snacks before then, right? Eagle Snacks team yeah. uh, merged in with MCS. Yes. Okay. So I man, if I'm drawing a blank on the on teammates, and I had a really good team like Jonathan Lee, um, 
with Lewis, Lewis one of the little guys. Barry, uh, Barry Mc, no, Barry McManus was 0-9, right? About, about 87, 86, 87? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, possibly. I don't know. So, so what about, that would have been, so MCS, what was that, like 86, 87? Yeah, probably 80s. When was the one of the worlds in in Orlando? 87. That's where I'm trying to get to. Yeah, 87. So you want to maybe take us into there? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, we went on tour that year, and we were on the road, and that was uh, that was a that was that was fun because we were in a van in a trailer, and we would go teach clinics to make a bunch of money so we could keep rolling. Um, it was awesome. Like it was exactly what a tour should be: summer tour. On BMX, on, on your BMX bike, stopping in New York, get your picture in front of the Eiffel Tower. Not the Eiffel Tower, that's France, you fool. Um, just Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty, all kinds of fun stuff, man. It was awesome, and you're just building this this friendship with everybody, going to these races. And <laughs> we were we were in Akron, Ohio, and I didn't make class, and Bill was so mad, like. <laughs> so mad that he was yelling at me and staging as I was going for the open main. I looked at him and I said, Bill, I quit. And he said, what? I said, I'm done, dude. I'm not putting up with this shit. <laughs> and then I put one sixteen over open. <laughs> and he's like, ah, dude. And I'm like, yeah, sorry. Right. So let's go to Florida. <laughs> so, so we get to Florida for the Worlds. And this was my first taste of international competition. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think anything of it. I always got on the gate and I didn't care who I was getting on the gate with how I was going to be. Like, it didn't matter. Like, that was my mentality. I didn't even think about who was on the gate because I was winning the lap. First moto, we go, and I got seventh. And I was like, what the hell just happened here? Mm -hmm. Are you serious? And your typical stuff, everyone's got disheveled uniforms, like, Everyone, you don't even know who's fast. You have no idea who's fast because everyone looks like crap. Mm-hmm. But they're all so damn fast. I'm like, shit, I better put it together. And it was the year that that horn was like, and then it beeped really fast and dropped really quick. Mm-hmm. Couldn't time it. I kept hitting the gate in practice and kept hitting the gate in practice. And I'm like, shit, I better, I, what am I going to do? So I would hear the horn and I would count one, two, and I'd slingshot right. and just go. Oh. Because by the time the horn started going, I was at my snap and, it was, and I was money. So mm-hmm. I was doing that all weekend. So get to the main. I don't know what lane I have. I've, I've got, I think I had like lane five. Uh-huh. Um, and I've got some pictures of it. And I got a picture of me, whole shot, and going down the first straightaway. And I've got a, a gap. Like it's me. Um, the left of me is, is Steve Dillard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's back. He might be at my back wheel, like behind my back wheel. So I whole shot. I was winning this race. Right. Uh, BJ was maybe behind him. I know he was behind him. Go to the first turn. It was when you had that little drop off. Uh-huh. I've got a picture of Wendy and Guyverson taking photos right there. So somewhere in the archives, Steve Guyverson probably has a picture of me leading the worlds in that drop-off. Oh, you got to get that one day. From oh, God. I, I keep meaning to ask him, but I, I would ask Wendy, but I you know, I heard Mulligan say that BMX Action threw all their stuff out, which broke my heart. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. No way. You never know. She might have some stuff left. Uh, you know, it might be a good idea. I may have to hit her up. Um, so I'm leading. Dillard's in second. And this is where my glitch in my riding style, that was always there. So... Going up the face of that step jump coming out of lane out of the second turn, I don't stay over the front of my bike. Like I start to lean back. 
while I'm still going up the face of the jump. And that's why I had always done that. But the problem is when I would do that, my weight, I would unweight the front end of my bike. Mm -hmm. And I'd be over the back end of my bike way too fast coming off the lip. And my bike would drift to the right. I felt like it would just pull to the right, like your car is out of alignment. And it would always do it. And a lot of times it would happen. I would land in time and it would grab the dirt and it would straighten me out. Mm-hmm. Well, this time Orlando is sand. So I'm in there and I'm like, oh shit, of all times for this to happen. And I didn't know why it would keep, why it kept happening. I couldn't figure it out for the longest time because I wasn't standing over the front of my bike. Well, it happened and I crashed. Like it was a, just, I crashed. There's no getting around it. And then Dillard cased the double and Bernard went on to win the world championship. Did, but, you, did you know how big it was? It was like a few no. people like the wild man, I think said it as well. And a few of the people, Eric Carter and a few of the guys like they didn't really realize what kind of, you know, it was just a big race and they didn't really um, kind of understand what they'd won or was, you know, in your case was winning dude, and almost won, you know, yeah, it, it was a national, it was just another race. Yeah. I had no idea. I didn't think about the world or world title or being able to say I'm world champion for the rest of my life. I d- it didn't even occur to me. I was like, yeah, whatever. I crashed. Shit, that's up. So let's go home. Yeah. Like, didn't think about it. Um, but that was that was uh, you know, looking back at it, it's like, shit, dude. Had you just, damn. Yeah. And common styles used to ride me about it, and I never had a chance to talk to him about it and tell him really what you know. That was my glitch. It happened when I was a pro. It happened when I was when I won the ABA whatever race at the Grands that one year. It happened in over the pro section. But I saved it, and I'm like, God bless America. Why do I keep doing that? But that's that was the one thing that I would do that I would, that would throw me off, and I would always have to tell myself going up a lip, like the first time jumping that double into the last turn in South Park. Stay over the front of your bike. Stay over the front of your bike. Like at mock speed, tell myself, stay over the front of your bike when you hit the lip. Your and bike, then, was, you always had a, a long bike, right? As well. Yeah, that was. I mean, I got long legs. And I always had an issue with short bikes because I banged my knees on my handlebars and I couldn't ride them. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, JMC made that Daryl Young bike, which is the greatest bike of all time. Um, and that saved my career. Um, we, there was a race in Charlotte, North Carolina on the speedway at the tra- and I was having a horrible time. I, easy motos and I'm getting treated. And I think I was riding... What was I riding? I might have been riding... Zero Nine came out with a bike, and I think I may have been riding their bike, or I was riding something, but I couldn't, it was so small, and we didn't know how small it was, but then my teammate, Jay Handy, goes, dude, I think your bike's too small, and I'm like, what? And they never thought of it, because I had just got taller, and whatever, and he's like, ride my bike next moto, and he had James C. Darrell Young, and I'm like, dude, I can't ride your bike, it's too big, and he's like, ride my bike, I'm like, alright, I'll ride your bike, rode his bike, and destroyed everybody, just completely walked the field. And that Monday when we got home, my dad called uh, called the bike shop. Oh, I need you to order Craig Jamesy, and that saved my career because I was like, I'm done. I can't do this shit. Um, and then every bike after that, whenever I'd go ride for somebody, I'd send them to Daryl Young, and they'd make it. They'd copy it. So Fadweld, who made MCSs, actually made a JMC Daryl Young copy um, for me. Oh, really? So, but so yeah. uh, why he was on MCS, right? Obviously. Yes. Yeah. While I was on MCS, yes, it was. It was the exact same bike. So and, thanks and, to the Essers. And there was a lot of pictures of you in the, in the magazines on Cyclecraft. Your bike looked, obviously, you know, was Cyclecraft after MCS? Because that looked like you was on a long bike there as well. Cyclecraft was on MCS as well. And they made me a longer bike too. Okay. Um, longer front end. Just so I could have room to uh, to move my legs. That was always the issue. 
And you know, it's an issue now when I ride my mountain bike on my road bike. I'm like, man, I need a longer stem or I need a higher seat post or something weird. Yeah. Um, but I always need something longer. And I rode for Bad and Company as well. That was after and Cyclecraft, right? So Cyclecraft. That was after Cyclecraft, yes. And I was riding for them, and they had a super long bike. It was probably too long. It was like 21 and three-quarter inches long. It was so long, but, I mean, that's what they had. I had to ride. And we were in the pits one, one day, and my, my friend Eric Jensen was talking about what Bad and Company was giving him. And I'm just sitting there listening. He's like, yeah, they, they give me 50 bucks every time I win. And I'm like, wait, what did you say? <laughs> and I'm, at this point, I'm racing. I'm, I'm the pro on the team. And I'm getting entry fees, maybe. I think I'm getting class entry fees. And I go, what? He was like, yeah, I get 50 bucks every time I win. Wow. I went home that week, that Monday and called and quit. <laughs> like, I quit FCS, <laughs> I quit Riding for Southcraft, I quit bad. And then that's when I was like, all right, I was going to college. I got my two-year degree and was getting ready to go to Northern Illinois University. No clue what I wanted to study. No, I didn't want to do shit. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't, it wasn't my thing. Um, and I'm like, I look at my dad, I'm like, dad, every time I get a sponsor, they have to make me a bike. Why don't I just make my own bikes? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, well, look into it. Let me know how much it costs. I'm like, all right, cool. So I called Shag Shaughnessy, um, picked his brain about it and what it was going to cost, and did the math, and went back to my dad. I said, Dad, it's going to cost me five grand to get started. He's like, okay. I'm like, shit, awesome. So I then called Barry McManus and said, Barry, uh, you got no sponsor. I have no sponsor. If I start a bike company, you want to ride for me? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, shazam. Um, and from there I called Steve Buttonneck because I had met Steve and Hal Brindley when I was riding for Bad and Company at Woodward BMX track, right? And they were doing t-shirts. They were doing 2B t-shirts and they gave me a shirt and a sticker and I kept running stickers on my plates, the 2B sticker. And every time I saw it, they're like, you're still using that? And I'm like, yeah, man, you gave me a shirt. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so then I called them to have them design my RR logo. Um, and then print stickers, and from there we transitioned into the 2B Reynolds Racing Team, and just a bunch of fun people on the team, and that was what we did, was go to a race, have fun, win super class, and go home. Right, yeah, because you and Barry probably just cleaned up, right? Kind of, that was... All the time. Like, it wasn't even a question. Like, there was a, there was a good time, uh, uh, a time frame in there. I think we went to Pittsburgh. Was it Pittsburgh? It wasn't even a national, it was something. And Drew Jenkins rolled over and said, why are you guys here? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, well, well, I, yeah, I mean, okay, sure. Um, but yeah, we, 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 we did well there for a while. And then, um, you know, Barry started to kind of taper off a little bit. So I had to start going to races by myself. And um, he turned double A, I think, at Evansville, Indiana. And I think that's where it pretty much ended for him because – he was managing a, a surf shop, surf, quote unquote, surf shop in Fort, uh, Fort Wayne. And I kept racing. And he was kind of tapering off. And then I finally got my enough money to turn AA Pro. My first AA Pro race was in Toledo, Ohio on the tennis courts. I think Franco Gregory's dad ran the track. What was that then? Because I raced you in 90, the Grands, 91. Someone's been around 90 then? Um. No, man, I didn't turn pro, and I don't think, until 92, because Reynolds racing was 93, 93 to 98. Oh, we must, it might have been 92 grands then. It was 92 grands we raced, 88 grands, because you're... Right, right, I was still, yeah, single A there, yes. What'd you get, third there? I didn't make the main there. I don't no, you did, yeah, no, I got second, and you got third. It was Galen Stalin one. 
damn, that's right. Yeah. See, I, Dale, these I don't even remember half a half. I don't remember half of it. I swear I don't. I don't remember yeah. the years. I'm not good with years. I it remember was Ga- Galen Stalin. I got second. You got third. That was the first time we raced. And then fourth place was um, he was really good. He, now, I never raced him again after that. He went Bubba McIntosh. Bubba McIntosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was a, a Oklahoma guy, I think. He was really good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was in like Dave Clymer was in that main. It's on YouTube. Uh, Dave Clymer, uh, the Aquaman I, was in that main. Did I have a yellow jersey on? I, I'm, that's what I'm trying to picture now. Oh, but I keep seeing Badenko, but I think I'm thinking of that. Mag- you had a big interview in Ride UK magazine, and I think uh, that's where that keep that, that that keeps coming into my mind. So I think you watched Reynolds racing. I'm pretty sure you was when we raced. Really? Yeah, I have to yeah. go back. I'll go back after this and and look, but. Uh, so yeah, so, I mean, it didn't start until '93. '92 was when I turned pro, and I think I stayed there for yeah. I was I don't know what I did for a year, and then that was when I was like, all right, I'm going to start my own bike company and put bad out of business. <laughs> and, and how many bikes were you, uh, you know, churning out? What was how to tell us a little bit more and about that it, stuff? I think I would do orders of like 25 or 30 at a time, and they'd come in and I'd sell them. Okay. Uh, and clearly, I wasn't charging enough for them because I wasn't making a whole bunch of money off of it. Because I basically turned around and put the money back in because I was doing it in my parents' garage. Oh, wow. Like, they would, everything would come in. They'd sit in the garage. I'd put stickers on them. I'd make the phone calls. Wow, that's so rad. Uh-huh. I mean, they even turned up at my, you know, my buddy in England, Tony Fleming. He had one, you know. So they, were, <laughs> they was getting around the world, you know. Wow, man. I, one thing that I, I wish I had hit up Chris Moeller and picked his brain a little bit about it mm-hmm. and learned some more. Because I got to a point where I was so busy that it was hard to race. And and do bikes, and I had started to contemplate. Okay, I got to figure this out. Like, do I shut it down and still and still race, or do I just make that what I'm going to do? And luckily, I talked to Billy Danishek, and they're like, you know what, we'll buy it. And I'm like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you'll buy it. And then when I retire, I'm going to move to Dayton, Ohio, and be a part of my company. Right? Like that was the goal. That was the idea. And that lasted a couple of years, I think. I think I did it for two years by myself, and then they did it for three, or maybe three years, and then they did it for two. But then I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't know, but I, I know Billy came over and told me that they weren't going to be able to do rounds racing anymore. Um, you know, really sorry, but we're not going to be able to do it. You can have the name back, do whatever you want to do with it. And I'm like, shit. All right, what am I going to do now? And then I saw them at Interbike. Um, and Billy said, hey, I think we figured out how we can still do it. We're, we're taking our production to Taiwan. And I was like, ooh, dude, I don't think I want to do that. Um, because bikes have been made by casting, I think, in Mexico. And you know how good those bikes were. They were amazing. Mm-hmm. And this is when everyone started to go to Taiwan. And I was like, dude, I don't think I want to do that. Like, I don't, I don't think I want to be a part of that. And he's like, well, we got a prototype made, so take a look at it. Take it home. Let me know what you think. I'm like, all right. So brought it home, and it was too small because I made – Three models, four models. I made Barry's bike, my bike, um, a bike called the Formula, and then a bike called the Puppy, which I made for all the kids at my local trails because they all rode these Dino VFRs and they'd bend the forks. I'm like, that's it. I'm making you guys a bike. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, yes. And all these cool ass little kids that I'm all friends with on Facebook all rode my all rode the bike because that's the reason why I made it. That's so right. So um, where was I? I lost it. I, I lost that for a second. So then Billy took uh, well, yeah. So I brought that bike home and I was still I brought I gave it to my then brother in law to ride it because it was too small for me. I'm like, dude, take a look at it and let me know what you think. 
puts it together, rides it, calls me. Craig, the bike doesn't stop. And I said, what are you talking about? He's like, it doesn't stop. I'm like, what? He's like, dude, I grabbed the brakes. And this is when Shimano had those dope-ass D-brakes, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what do you talk? What do you mean it doesn't stop? You got chrome rims? Like, you, your bike should stop. He said, it doesn't stop. I'm like, bring it over. So he brought it over. You squeeze the brakes. The brake bridges flexed so bad. Or the seat stays flexed so bad it didn't allow there to be enough pressure on the rim. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. Like, I don't want any part of this. So... I don't know if it was heat treated wrong. It was just a test. I have no idea. But I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't, I don't. So then I saw Eric Roop at a race in Minnesota. And he said McPherson was off the team next year. And I said, ah, well, um, who do I talk to? And he said, Don Palermini. And I called Don and sent him my resume, told him all the stuff that I did, and got on Mongoose for, you know, for however long that lasted. So that'd have been about ninety-seven-ish, ninety-eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. I think around ninety-eight, ninety-eight. Cause 90, no, ninety. End of ninety-eight, I guess, because I raced the NBA, or the NBA Grands uh, for Mongoose. That was my first race. Okay. Reynolds was was shut down. The last race I did for on Reynolds was uh, Lake Paris. Okay, I totally remember that one. Um, so who who owns the name now? Then you get still. Yeah. Then? It's all mine. It's, it's mine. And, you know, verbally, he's like, yo, you can have it back. I don't, I don't know why he would want to keep, you know, Reynolds racing anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's mine. If I want to do something with it, I can do something with it. I, you know, made shirts uh, to benefit uh, Steve Budendek's, uh son. I saw that. It was very cool. Yeah, and you sold out straight away, right? No, dude. I, I, I was like, if we do 600 bucks, that'd be awesome. And we did like three grand almost, $2,600. That's so rad. So, that, I mean, did that right there and then, did that give you like, maybe I should bring it back? Man, I thought, I've thought about, like, what would I want to do, though? Like, there's how many BMX race frames are out there? Yeah, but I a, mean, lot of, a lot of shit, though, you know? I mean, you see how close to disgusting some of this stuff is you see now, you know? I mean, I think Reynolds Race and... Look, they don't even make sense to me. I'm like, wait, what? The, what? I don't get it. Like, I don't... I, and I'm sure there's some really good technology built into those bikes, but I don't... I don't know. Um, I, mean, I talked to Billy Griggs about it one time, because he said he was going to make one, like a retro bike for me, mm-hmm. with upgraded, updated, new shit. And I'm like, oh, I'll have to build that one. Um, and then I started asking him, how much would it cost to make the bikes? He's like, Craig, people have asked me that. And when I tell them the number, they're just forget about it. And I'm like, oh, shit, never mind then. Like, I don't even want to know a number. So, you know, Billy's incredible. I'm sure it costs a thousand bucks a bike. So how do you sell that? Like, how do I turn around and sell that for three for a frame? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely well, tough right now. I think, for, I think everyone's scratching their head now trying to work out how it, where it's going and how to how to sell, you know? Yeah, I mean, I thought about components. I thought about just doing T-shirts, like retro stuff, but you know, at some point the retro stuff dies out and you need something new, so. Mm-hmm. Oh, you never yeah. know. You never know. Like I say, you guys still have a good relationship with DK and that, you know? It's, and then Budendex back at DK, right? He is, yes, he yeah. is. He, he, uh, he moved uh, all of the Verde stuff over there, so he's back there as well. Yeah, oh, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, let's get a bit more into Mongoose then. Uh, so Mongoose, this is kind of a, uh, pulled out a bunch of footage, you know, from the, and we'll talk about the TV stuff next, but uh, yeah. that's when, you know, you kind of got a Mongoose when everything was starting to get good again for, for us in the in the mid-90s. Um, yeah, we were on the road. We were on the road all the time. I saw you every weekend. It was a blast. Yeah, no. So tell us, so it was you, Roop, uh, it was just you and Roop, right, after McPherson then, right? Just me and Roop. It was me, just me and Roop. Um, you know, prior to that, it was me, Dale, or me, Dale, me, Neil, and Robbie. Yes. That was all together for, right. you know, because DK and Reynolds were together. We'd all sit together and travel together, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
those two guys were like brothers. They were so much fun to be around. Um, but then switching from that to Eric Roop, like the difference was night and day, right? You got Eric who's buttoned up and professional and, you know, this is what we're here to do. And you've got Neil who's like, here's what we're going to do, but we're also going to have a lot of fun doing it. Um, and I love both of them. I love that the whole, both scenarios were so ideal for the things that I liked to do. Um, and like I told you before, you know, I, I never chased titles because I was just wanted to race, go fast and be in the magazines. Like I didn't think about titles and I didn't think about, you know, keeping it all together. And truthfully, my, my, my mental state <clears throat> wasn't always the best. I couldn't always recreate a fast lap for the next lap. So, um, I was just like, Dan, just go have fun and just whatever happens, happens. So I get on my You still did really good though. I mean, like I say, you was podium guys in the mains and yeah you're looking at your magazine coverage is i mean just yeah it's like brian foster just every picture's rad you know well yeah well thanks man i appreciate that i i i, I had <laughs> robert deville once told me wow it's good to know that company still sponsor people when they don't get a lot of a lot of results and i'm like thanks robert <laughs> he said that i say robert Wild. just blatant i was like yeah thanks dude sure okay um <laughs> But, you know, I, I wouldn't trade my career at all. I wouldn't trade any of it because it was really important for me growing up to still be able to do all the stuff that I did. Like, I played soccer in high school. At one point, I had I set a record for the most goals in a game. It was like five. Oh. And I got a scholarship offer to Chicago State. And I was like, no, nah, I want to ride my bike still. I still want to race. But all, doing all those other things, going to high school and going to prom and homecoming, that was important to me because I still wanted to do all that stuff and still race at the same time. So the way I did it still gave me the opportunity to do that, where I didn't have to solely focus just on my bike. I could go play and have fun and hang out with my friends that I grew up with and then hang out with my other group of friends that I grew up with at the track. Um, and you never did the California thing either. You know, he's one of the few guys that's, you know, you, you didn't move out west when everybody did. Yeah, and, um, yeah, and that's why. Because like, I, I wanted that time to do the stuff that I did, and I loved being in Chicago. You know, I, I knew it was cold and it was miserable, but um, it was... I never had the, had the desire to move out, and I never looked into how that would look and how it would be if I did. And had I done it, I don't, you know, I don't, where would I be now? Like, would I have run into the props guys and done all the stuff for those guys? Yeah. And then transition into the TV stuff, you well, know? Let's, let's talk about that a little bit then alongside your mongoose, because like say you was, you was you was doing the, you know, NBL, ESPN2, um, yes. and then the, the prop stuff, which was which is cool, because, uh, yeah, I mean, just just awesome time for, for race, you know? I think it was definitely... a a great time to be part of it around that time, right? God, it was so good, wasn't it? It was so good. Um, I met the props guys at Scrap Indoor Skate Park in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Like that was my training grounds in the winter time, so I could go ride and keep riding and jump stuff and do different things and ride mini ramps, and um, it helped my skill set. Because um, I know a lot of people would start racing and get stuck into a skill set, and when the tracks changed, they couldn't keep up. So. This really helped me. So I met these guys, and they were doing videos, and they wanted to do races, but they also wanted to interview me and Barry McManus. I'm like, all right, cool. So we did this first interview in the very first issue, and it was it was a riot because we're sitting, I think, in some restaurant, maybe Taco Bell, doing an interview. Um, and then after that, they started coming to the races, and I introduced them to Bob Tedesco and all the people that they needed to know so when they go to the track, they know who they are. They go stand on the track and video the races. So I introduced them to those guys, maybe probably ABA guys too. Maybe. I don't, I don't know if they covered ABA race or not. 
think they did. Um, and then I always tell them, hey, these are the races that you want to you want to shoot. Like, follow these guys. Tape that guy. Um, so I was like directing, director, and then I started doing interviews for him because I'm like, man, that's so much fun. Let me do the interview. So I don't know who my first interview was, but I would do interviews for those guys. And doing rounds racing at the same time, you know, they weren't paying me. <clears throat> they were... Trading ads, right? They were trading ads. They would make an ad for me and I would do the interviews. It was perfect. It was... I'm a big fan of the barter system. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, creative. We, we did that for a while and then the ESPN thing came about. We were in Nashville and they said, hey, we, our reporter isn't here and we need someone to open the show and close the show with the host and you know we wonder if he would do it. I think the person I was supposed to do it was Bravo, but he didn't show up. He didn't come out. Um, <laughs> So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it, and I did it, and it was a blast, and I did it for free for two years. So then I was like, you know what, I'm going to these races, and I'm running around doing all this stuff, and I, I want to race, So and you're not paying me, so I'm not going to do it. And the guy goes, oh, we'll pay you. Oh, wow. I was like, you... Can I get a back cut for the last two years? <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much maybe that. He's like, well, and I'm like, all right, fine, I'll, I'll keep doing it. Um, and, yeah, that... You know, Robbie Morale, Miranda said one day, he's like, dude, that's your hidden talent, man. Everyone's got one. That's yours. And I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm just having fun doing it. And, you know, progressed. I kept doing the ESPN stuff. And once the X Games showed up, you know, I got the invitation to race the X Games. But I realized that it'll look a lot cooler on my resume if it says I was the analyst for Downhill BMX and the X Games. Yeah. And saying I raced a race on August 18th, you know, or whenever it was. Mm-hmm. Um. So that I decided, you know what, I'm not going to race. I'm going to do the, the TV portion of it. Um, and at that point, anyway, man, those downhill tracks, I was, I was older. And I was like, you know what, dude, you're not, you don't bounce as much as you used to. And I don't want to break myself off so bad that, you know, I can't play golf when I retire. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, the, the TV thing kept going. And then I retired from racing in 2004. And I moved down to Charlotte was working at a PR firm, Lenny Matiki, the old school uh, announcer, great guy, hired me to come down here. I'm at a PR firm doing some research, and I see that there's a Speed TV, or Speed Vision, was doing a new show, and they need a different host. And I was like, oh, maybe I can do that on the weekend. Because, you know, my thinking is I'm just going to gonna hustle and do a couple of different things and just do it. So mm-hmm. I called them, and I went in for an interview, and then they're like, hey, we're going to do an audition. And we want you to come in this date. All right, so I did the audition, and as I'm walking out, the guy's like, hey, you got the job. And I'm like, wait, what? He's like, you got the job. I'm like, are you, are you serious? Really? Really? He's like, yeah, it pays 100 grand, and you're wow. going to be on 30 minutes a day. And I was like, what did you say? <laughs> really? So I went home and you know, told my then wife what was going on, and Went in to work the next day and told them I was quitting. And then my whole TV career kind of took off from there. And it was going pretty solid until the or the, the recession hit. Like I was lined up to do a couple of different shows. And then the recession hit and all the host-driven shows disappeared. Oh. And at that point, all this money that I had saved up, I was like, I got to live off of that. Shoot. And then you better go get a job. Now, did you have an agent during this period, or you just hustled your I own did, gigs? Uh, Abrams Artist Agency was the company. They're based out of New York. Uh-huh. Um, they were the ones that were getting me all the stuff. And um, the lady that I would work with, her name was Tracy Weiss. 
and she is the greatest. Like the best thing, if you have an agent that believes in you, you work. Mm-hmm. And she had me doing stuff all of the time. I mean, you and, did. Uh, what, tell us, you did. You, did you do arena cross or a bit of supercross, right? I did. I did arena cross for a little while, um, and was doing some other freelance gigs as well. But I mean, arena cross basically like you're calling a BMX race. Yeah. yeah. Talk. I, I wasn't good with the names. Thank goodness that uh, what's his name knew everybody anyway. But talking about what they were doing was was easy. It's like BMX, right? You're double, triple, tripling out. You know, or just single single triple like it's mm-hmm. just talking bmx really yeah so it was uh it was good it was fun it was, it was really fun I and mean, tv still comes around once in a while um you know one day it'll come back around and it's going to stick around and i'll be doing more stuff on it again but until then i'll you know keep plugging away doing some small stuff around here in charlotte but sometime sometime it'll come back around it always does i mean i when we it, when aba bought it back then it must have been when when me and you did it for a little bit, uh, that was about oh seven, oh six, was it? Oh six, oh yep. seven. So that's when uh, the guys that did Crank TV, which is obviously Don, um, yes. they came back and started filming some of the. A, it wasn't quite USA BMX then; it was still ABA, right? So it was still, yeah, yeah, we would go in, uh, into Hollywood and do our voiceovers. Uh, yeah, that the- was so fun, and just just then, how just anybody listening to this, how knowing you were so professional, you was you know, I just kind of. You completely, you know, I was kind of helping you out, and but you always knew when to fill in the gaps, and you you tell me you wrote, you always write the the intro and and on on the plane and stuff there, and you're just so professional, yeah. and you you helped when I did it, you know, for them a couple of years, you just really made it so easy for me. I could just kind of follow you, you know, and you like you know when to jump in and when to jump out, but um, yeah, no, I always said, and I and especially now with with BMX when it is on the internet and stuff, and, like, I can't believe, you know, especially it was more when Johan was doing the World Cups and stuff, I just always, like, scratched my head why you wasn't involved in that, you know? it's. Uh, I, I, I can't explain it. I don't know. People always say, oh, you should be doing it, you know, and I, you, I think a lot of it, you know, people get together with the people they hang out with, and they keep that nucleus together. I mean, that's... That's the way of the world, right? And I, I've never been one to to bro down with people and hang out with a group of people. I've always kind of been my own. I got my own drum over here that I'm beating. Yeah. Um, especially the Olympics. So I mean, every time you know for oh eight, you know, everyone was kind of well, who's going to get the TV gig, you know? And I'm like, it has to be Reynolds. You no, know? yeah, um, no. I never got a call. I never heard from anybody about anything. I don't. I can't explain it. You know, I don't think I was. I ever rubbed anyone the wrong way, but. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe I did. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it is what it is. And then I mean, even London, I'm like, okay, you'll definitely, you know, he's the guy for London, they realize now. And then, uh, and nothing against the guys that did it. I think Kenan did it one year, right? And then... Uh, great, man. Look, Kenan's got this killer voice and this great delivery. Kenan's awesome. Like, he's really good at what he does, and he can pretty much take that skill and do anything as good as he is, mm-hmm. right? Um but yeah, there was part of me that was like, well, yo, how come I'm not doing this? I'm the one that raced. I should at least be the analyst. Like, yeah, yeah. Be in there and talk about what I know while they're driving the show. Like, come on, let me do this. This is like, it's, it's easy. But, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, and then you, like say, I think it's Bestwick did, uh, Jimmy Bestwick did uh, London. Yeah. And, yes. Uh, yeah, no, I still still scratch my head on that one. And, um I, I'm scratching my head that he did the the, the, the mountain bike cross country race. 
Oh, he did that. I didn't even watch that. He did that as well, did he? <laughs> Actually, I do remember and, that. And, yeah. and, I, and I think Jamie's great. I love the guy. He's an awesome guy. But I'm like, right. well, how, well, how, do, how do I do that? How do I get into being able to do that? Because I want to call a Formula One race. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, you actually could because you, I think you're that good. But uh, <laughs> still, Thanks, still time. So what do you what do you think of current, um, you know, I don't mean you still talk. What do you think of um, current, uh, I guess let's talk media in, in BMX. Obviously the landscape's different now. It's not TV. It's more live feeds and stuff when we do get it here and there. And, um, you know, you see everybody talking about, you know, how it was, how it should be. Um, what's your views on it all? Yeah, it's not going back, you know what I mean? Like, what we had, it's not going to be the same. Like, you can't recreate that anymore Um, because of the social medias. Um, Let's, I mean, let's start there, right? I mean, you get a sponsor, and the first thing they're asking you, how many followers do you have? Because followers are pre-qualified people that are going to buy your product. Oh, my God, I see Connor Fields wears Troy Lee Designs. I'm going to buy that stuff, too, because he wears it. So, Troy Lee doesn't have to advertise because Connor's advertising for him mm-hmm. on his social media feed. Like, dudes are giving stuff away if you really want to get if you really want to get down to it. You know, they're doing like Barry. His feed is incredible. Like, and this is Barry Nobles, right? Yeah, incredible. I mean, it's it's he's doing his own TV show. He's doing his own show. Yeah. Right. His sponsors don't have to do anything. But what's the value then? How do you how do you put a value on it? Do you get ten grand a month because you have a million followers and does that mean you get a thousand or a hundred dollars a month because you only have a thousand like how do you I don't know I, I don't know how to how to get the value out of that out of having all those followers you know how do you pay for that um, and TV man how do you get BMX back on TV like I don't I, mean, I think this is what we beat our heads against the wall for so many years and, it, and I think it all boils down to outside sponsorship um, has anyone, does John Dayton call Shell and, and told them, hey, we need a gas card for the whole shot award, you know, who's got the most gas to the first turn, like, sell it, you know, like, because everyone has to drive to the race, why can't Shell be a part of it, like, I, I don't, I don't know, um, it's, you know, it's not my job, I wanted it to be my job, like, I wanted to go in and help him and, and, and do what I could for the sport through the ABA, and I tried to talk to him, but you know that fell on deaf ears. So um, you literally went down there and pitched some stuff, and nothing came of it. Man, I, I I've told them more than once that I would love to be a part of what they're doing, and I don't know exactly how their setup is, so it's kind of hard to really pitch anything. But as much as hey, man, you need a PR person or someone at the track that's going to you know schmooze the the local media and the local people that are there and get them out, like. I, I'd love to come do that, but I think that's John David's job. So when people, you know, start riding Shane and Gillette about stuff, I think it's easy. He's an easy target because he's on social media. John doesn't talk to anybody. And I think John's the one that people should be aiming their, their guns at. I mean, um, it would make sense, especially now, like somebody like you just involved at the, yeah, like I say, just the media guy or whatever, you know, it's, uh, yeah, there's something, there's something there that's that, that that well oiled machine works really well, so why would they need to change it? But, they right. get it, but on that on that side, though, I mean, you got to get like say we, we talked about it the last couple of podcasts actually, just about where the kids' um, attention is now. Um, yeah, and uh, they're on the phone, so you got to kind of you know direct a lot of your 
your market yeah. into that side of it. And it seems like BMX racing is getting, you can't, I don't know, I just don't think you can stick an ad in Paul magazine and expect a great return. You know, you got to kind of. I mean, I, 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 the only people that get Paul magazine are the people that are members. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, so how many people are you reaching? Like, if I'm going to take an ad out, if I'm if I'm Chevrolet and I'm trying to reach these people, why would I take an ad out in a magazine that only a small portion of people look at? Mm-hmm. The, the the numbers, the return on investment isn't big enough. Mm-hmm. Like they take they're taking ads out in G, GQ and Marie Claire and people, you know, where they're getting thousands upon thousands of people, not hundreds. You know, like the, the readership is so much bigger in those magazines, then they're, they're not going to look at BMX that way. Like, we need to get we. They need to get to them and schmooze them and show them what the value is. And, you know, find a camper company. People camp out. You know, go to Coleman. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know who they've talked to or tried to talk to. So it's kind of hard to it's, – it's hard to say, and it's kind of hard to, to beat up on them because I don't know. But – it's been the same thing since we've been kids. It hasn't changed. And at some point, it's going to stop. And if we keep losing people, losing riders, and not bringing in a new group of people, where's the sport going to be? Mm-hmm. Who's the next guy coming up? Like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. It's really weird. And I, Before I retired, I was at a race, and I was like, i got to get out of here because all these young kids are turning pro. I'm pretty much done. Like my brain isn't even working around. I'd get on gate Dale and I'd be like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> like well did that at the end. <laughs> yeah. Like, why am I doing this? Like I retired in 2004. I really think I wanted to retire in 2002, maybe 2000, but I had contracts and I'm like, uh, it's too good to pass up and I love riding my bike. So I'll stick around. And then I hurt my ankle really bad. Um, I remember going to Woodward, not Woodward, Waterford Oaks, and tried to race, and it hurt so bad doing a gate start that I packed my bike up and drove back home the same day because I thought I was better. But it's still been the same sport, right? Like, it's still the same thing. These young kids were turning pro, and they were taking entry fees, or they were taking uh, free bikes or free product. And I'm like, I'm getting paid thirty grand a year to ride for Mongoose. Why would any sponsor pay me, pay me that when they can get this kid for free? Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, well, these kids are shooting themselves in the foot because when they want to move out of mom and dad's house, they're not going to have that sponsor going, oh, I'll pay you, I'll pay you 30 grand now because you want to move out. Like, no, you did it for free. I'm not going to change that. Yeah, and I think that trend has obviously continued, you know, to the point now where is, um, I don't want to keep repeating myself. I know I've said it in the last couple of podcasts we've talked about this, but it is a good topic, you know, just riders riding for less and less. And now there's, there's really no negotiation, you know, like with, with what I do with my teams, I just try and work, you know, try and deliver more than I've said I would and, and make, you know, just do way more than I probably need to and just yeah. hope they appreciate that and then see value in what I'm doing and, and, and give me a bit more support the following year. But the days of going down now and trying strong arm in anybody, I mean, the, you know, I mean, trying to go down to PD and if you're a double A pro and trying strong arm him on, on a, a deal to ride for Chase, I mean, he'll just laugh in your face. You know, right. he knows there's no there's no other option. You know that you that you need that whatever from him. You know, and everybody kind of knows that. And these young kids 
coming in. Obviously, I don't really know how to do that, you know, to work a deal now. So it's getting to the point yeah. where I think after the next Olympics, you know, when the next, maybe the, the, the you know, Connor and Jerry, some guys will get a couple more years out of after that if they want to continue. But then after that, the norm will be uh, you'll get your expenses on a current, you know, on a current national team, and, and that'll be it. I think the, ah. the, the salaries and all that stuff with the way it's all going and the saturation where, you know, uh, the, the normal now for a, for a pro rider or elite rider would be uh, is expenses from a national team and a little bit of uh, industry, little help on the side, you know, but uh, yeah. So the only money that they're going to make is from their winnings? Uh, pretty much, yeah, and obviously the the way that is now, that you know, a lot of them guys, they're, they're not even going to the races because you can't make your money back, you know, so um, I think the last two deals, again, if I've already said this in a podcast, you know, for the ones... Uh, that have heard me say this before. I think you've got Chase. You've got a couple of the girls. I'm not sure the deals. You know the Caroline Buchanan's, Elise Post, and that. But like, I'm talking about just the model that we're used to, which is like a yeah. you know a 90s factory team, a US supported team. I'm talking more US. I know there's a few international guys with different things going on, but you've got Chase that still do the legit, um, you know, double A sal- you know, double A deal. You know, they'll get salary bonuses and. Um, you know, Connor and, and, and Joris, I'm sure, are, are still making good money. And then Haro still do, you know, good, legit deals with, with Nick and um, um, with um, Brooke Crane. Well, uh, yeah. But I think after that, you got a couple, yeah, I, th- I think you got a few little guys that have got a few good little deals. But, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the end of the old factory team as we know it. I think Anthony Dean probably does okay. Uh, with Supercross and a couple, you know, Troy Lee and a few sponsors. Obviously, Elise Post has got a few different things going on. But, right. um, yeah, the, the the old model is definitely slowly, um, yeah, slowly disappearing. Well, look at the know. people that are, are, are at the helm of those companies, right? They're from the old school. Right? Yeah. They still see the value mm-hmm. in taking care of their riders so the riders can actually be riders. Yes, and that's Christoph and Pete that obviously come from being in our era, having good, you know, being during the good times and respecting, yeah, what you said, respecting their riders. Yeah. But if yeah, uh, arguably one of the greatest BMXers of all time in Christoph, he knew what it took. He's giving back what he got so they can be the next Christoph, right? And then you got Pete who knows all about the deals and does did a killer job at Double A Marketing, right? So you got two guys like it's a perfect storm for those guys. Mm-hmm. You I'm got two effectives, right? But once let's say if they move on or you know they're over it down the road, then yeah, and you got horror that's got you know you know just her- their heritage is, and they've said that you know the, the Joe Joe Hawk said that to me. It's like our heritage is racing. We will always support racing, you know, which is yeah. which is honourable and, and awesome, you know. Um, but obviously, you, you see, the looking, you know, GT don't really do too much anymore. You know, you got a few guys that do different things through international distributions. But um, yeah, it's definitely uh, the landscape has changed, and I think is continuing to change and get smaller and smaller. You know, so it's harder for these guys to to unfortunately make a, make a living. Obviously, you got Mariana, you know, Pahan that's got a whole different. I mean, I just heard different numbers from her, but obviously, she's she's on a different kind of level to everybody. What she's got going on down in Colombia, you know. I can't even imagine. Like she's getting ready to race track bikes, isn't she? I don't know, to be honest. I, I think I saw something on social media. I don't know. You know, she always writes in Spanish, obviously, so I'm not really sure what she's, <laughs> yeah, what she's saying. I know. Yeah. I did see her on a bike. I saw a picture on a like, bike. What did she say? Dang it. Yeah, I don't know if I was having fun or getting ready for the Worlds. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Um, what were some of your best results then as a pro, Craig? So give us some of your, uh, yeah, or highlights of uh, what, what. You know, what, I got one double A win. Uh, that was in Blue Springs, Missouri. I won on a Saturday. I got seventh in the first main. 
And then I got first in the last two and I high load Dr. Jason Richardson in the last main and the last turn to win. I tied with Brian Foster. He, Brian, came over and said, dude, you won. And I said, what? He's like, dude, you won. And I'm like, come on, man. Seriously? He's like, no, we tied and you won the last minute. You won. And I'm like, holy shit, no way. And then Gary Ellis rolls by, smacks me on the back, gives me the thumbs up. And I'm like, what is going on here? Are you serious? So... It was, I was pretty good. My favorite, speaking of Gary Ellis, one of my favorite Gary Ellis things, my first double-A moto, double-A race ever, Toledo, Ohio, like I said earlier, I roll into the gate, I'm in lane three, and I'm in there by myself, because I'm like, man, I need to get up there and just calm down for a minute. All of a sudden, bang, rams his front tire into the gate right next to me, and I'm like, what the heck is that? And I look <laughs> over, it's Gary, and he's smiling at me, and I go, holy shit. <laughs> He laughed so loud and gave me a little smack on the back. And it was like, I'm like, this is so surreal. Like, I, holy crap, man. And it was a riot. Like, it was so much fun. But that was one of my favorite things. Um, you know, I won a bunch of Opens, won a bunch of Cruisers, got number two in Cruiser one year. Did Again, had no idea I was even in the hunt for a Cruiser title. I won the race. Uh, won the ABA Grand I remember that. Yeah, that was a Stumpy or a Contez overall then. Stumpy. 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 By nine points. I had no idea. All right? I had no clue. I won it. Stumpy's sitting there. Gives me a hug. Says, great job. I'm like, dude, thanks. And Clinton is over there doing numbers. And I'm like, did I get number two? Wait, I don't know what I asked him. He's like, hang on a second. And then I realized, holy crap, this dude's tallying the numbers. Like, I, there's a chance I may have won this thing. Right. Nine points, right? One nine points. Where did I miss that up uh, earlier yeah. in the year? No clue. I didn't even think about it. I just wanted to you know, go race my bike, but, you know, a bunch of podiums, a bunch of, uh, stuff in double A, um, won some race of champions things. Um, but man, I had fun. I just had one to have fun on my bike. But look most- at, looking back now, I mean, you got some of like being a, a magazine nerd as I am and saving all my magazines and I, I saved a lot of videos and I've been looking at a lot of your stuff the last couple of weeks and pulling some stuff aside to, to put with this, but you have got, and I know I've already said it in this podcast, you've got the greatest pictures, I mean, face masks, white, <laughs> uni- white uniforms, you know, yeah. cool bike brands, um, you know, all the stuff on props. I mean, you even hear, you know, those guys, you know, our kind of same age guys when you listen to some of their interviews on podcasts and stuff. Um, I know Joe Doherty does a lot of uh, the 90s guys on uh, BMX in the Blood, you know, and I like to listen to a lot of you know, the, the podcast with those guys and that, you know, they still talk about props. And I think it seems like everyone still, um, has high respect for what, what, what props did and you to be part of that. It's got to mean something cool for you, right? You know, it's amazing to me, the people that were on the freestyle side of things that I know because of that, right. or still say stuff to me about probably, I saw you in props. I'm like, Oh my God, are you serious? Like you're, you're Dave Mira. Like, well, really? Really? Right. Just, Still nerded out, right? Because I'm still a fan of of the sport and of the people that we grew up with, like and raced with. Like I, I loved being there and watching and racing people. Um, but I always knew that how good people were. I knew how good you were. I knew how good Christoph was. How good Velton was. How good Richardson was. And I appreciated that and respected it. At the same time, being I don't want to say in awe of it, but so stoked with it because I got to compete with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but for those guys and the impact that props had at that time, it's, it, it's, it's the video equivalent of bicycle motocross action or BMX action, Absolutely, right? Yeah. Or, 
magazines had such pull and had so much weight because we had to wait for it. Mm. Unlike now, social media, you see everything in real time. Um, then you had to wait. You had to wait to see if you got in a magazine. You had to wait and see who won the, the Winter Nationals. Like, my God, there's Stu Thompson right there. And, oh, my God, there's Stu Thompson standing next to me in Pittsburgh. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, those guys were superstars because you didn't have access to them. And that elite level and that perception that these guys are gods makes it real, right? And you can sell that. But you can't sell when you're in someone's face every day. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I mean, I, I don't know how the ins and outs worked on props, but I mean, I, I got an interview on props through you. You know, I, I remember I was like, man, please, can you get me an interview on props? Like, it was real, I really wanted to be on it. And, and you did it. And I know you did them with Jason and, and Thunder yep. and a lot of more, more of the, you know, racers, racer, I guess, you know, not the, not the, yes. the props cool guys, you know, like you, Neil or Robbie or. You know Brian Foster, but you got you you gave all you know the the stiff you know '90s guys a a, a good uh, yeah you, you gave us some play on that. So I always yeah I, I got two or three copies of that. I bought a bunch of them at the time because I was really uh, stoked to be on it, and that was because of you, you know. You need to get the box set. They got a box set of every single episode on DVD now. Okay, I mean I do have my my issue on uh, on VHS, but uh, no, I need to need to do. Need oh, get the box set. If there's still some available. Get the box set. Okay, it has it. I will then. Yeah, incredible. Now, is it's there? A, do, you, do you keep in touch with them guys? Is there any any chance of them? Alex, I know they did bring that stuff back. I remember reading about it. Them guys getting back into the mix of things, or they broke up. Marco is doing something totally different, and Rye still does props, but I don't know at, on what level. I have no idea. Um, but they, they don't, I mean, Marco lives in, I think Tennessee now with his wife and his two kids. So I don't think that that's going to, that, that they're going to do any kind of comeback. But I mean, that's, you said it on, on Dwayne's podcast about the, or did Dwayne say it about the zines? Like that's the way things are lifestyles, right? And that's the way it becomes cool again, because I'm in a zine. Like, man, um, what is his name? Brian. Brian Fell did the, the magazine. He did magazine, but there's one out of Michigan. Brian Bono. Oh, yeah, the guy that's got cool. I, I didn't see his zine, but I know he. I've, he's got a cool Instagram account. He does a lot of Love. pictures, right? Yes, yes. He used to put me and McManus in his zine every right. time. We were so stoked, like it was. It was like it was Oz giving us play, right? right. It was like unreal. Like you seriously, and we'd been doing it forever, right? So you would think at this stage and at the level that we were at, we'd be like, yeah, whatever. No, we were like, dude. You are amazing. Like, so appreciative of it because it was, to me, getting in those things mm-hmm. means you're still connected to the people that are real. Yeah, and we, we had the same thing in England. We had a lot of zines on that as well, you know, and I remember it was a big deal to get a, to get a picture in, uh, yeah, in, in any of that stuff. Even it was black and white, you could probably even barely see on some of them, but it's still a big deal, <laughs> on it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I did one zine called Fresh, and it was just a, basically a zine all about Reynolds Racing. Right. Um, I've got a couple of those things laying around here somewhere. Those were fun. It was it was just, you know, Reynolds Racing and 2B doing ads and doing a couple of interviews and talking about the bikes. And, you know, in the beginning, we would walk around passing out stickers and passing out T-shirts and just get to the race, go give out stickers, go give out, you know, flyers, and then go practice. That's and then go do it again. A lot of those things could probably really help again now, you know. It's, uh, I mean, you, you, you obviously you're, you're still good friends with Buddenbeck, and he's so creative, and you know, just seen all the yep. stuff he did with and continues to do. He did with Neil and Robbie, DK, and you guys. 
Um, yeah. Any chance of you guys all getting together and doing something cool? Man, I don't know. I've mentioned it to him before. You know, I think he's so so deep in that DK doing stuff and getting established there because he's only been there for a couple of years again. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not moving to Dayton, Ohio at this point. Now right. with you know the kids and you know, I'm pretty much locked in here for a little while. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to be back in the industry on some level, um, whether it's the BMX side of things, whether it's mountain or road, I, I would love it. And I, I don't, uh, I, I mentioned it to Chad Roberts one day and he said, dude, it's just because you didn't try. So I'm like, oh, maybe. Because when I retired, Dale, I, I checked out. Like for two years, I don't think I touched a bike. I think I was just making a transition into life post-racing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think about, you know, maybe I should talk to this person or who should I talk to about getting a job in the industry. You know, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't know. Again, I think it goes back to me being my own island once in a while and just being out on my own and doing my own stuff. Mm-hmm. If anyone ever needed to get back in or there was ever any opportunity, then I mean, just say with your knowledge and everything, you did everything so so early as well. You know, I say having your own bike company in the early nineties. You know, and uh, yeah, I think uh, good uh, good record, definitely. Uh, yeah, on top of everything you did, you know. Um, who are some of the guys that you like to watch now? Who are your favorite? Uh, Elites, pros, um, Olympics, uh, and all yeah, that. I mean, obviously Connor because he's so fast, mm-hmm. it just wicked fast. Um, they, they, I mean, they're all so fast. It's crazy how so incredibly fast they go on those bikes now. Um, I don't know how they don't get speed wobbles. Huh. Um, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts to me. Um, who else? Um, who's the other dude from Arizona? And I'm drawing. I'm drawing Corbin. Corbin. Corbin Sharaf. Yeah, that is a. Kids lightning in a bottle. So you was probably at the Worlds last year being over there, went to in um, uh, Rock Hill, so you probably saw him win, right? I, no, dude, I couldn't. I had to work, man. I, oh, dude, that, that, that race was 30 minutes from my house, and I still couldn't go. Oh. That, just, I don't want to get started. Um, he is so smooth and so fun to watch, man. Like, ridiculously good um, with his talent level. I don't know... You know, I don't know the ins and outs of him, but I, I like watching him ride his bike. Um, Nick Long's fun to watch too because that dude will get a gate start when it's when it's time, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone else is tight, he's up there, he's snapping. Yeah, no, still obviously everybody saw him at the Olympics, you know, and yeah, still, still, uh, yeah, he can still do it when he wants to, you know. So totally, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how much more time he's got left. I think it all depends on him, but man, he's he's damn good. What about yeah. the girls? Anybody? Uh, uh, Elise Post is a company you not want to watch her ride because mm-hmm. she boosts everything and she's so fast. Um, Brooke, I think Brooke in time is going to be one of the top girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mariana Pahone, you know, all the, all, the, all the big players. They're so much fun to watch because they're so good and they're so equal. Like, watching the women's race, it's like so tight. Oh, speaking of a tight race, what was that race we just saw? And I swear, all oh, was, Argentina, when they all came over the line almost together. Good Yeah. That's outstanding. Like, that's a race, man. How do we do that again? Like, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, we need to slow the track down. Like, we need to slow it down. It's too fast. Yeah, yeah. Now, that was, yeah, like, almost all eight guys were in within the same, well, they're all in the same picture, so that's how close it was, you know? That, and you don't see that very often, man. I mean, you know, throwing your bike out of the line, we used to do that mess all the time, but right. so fast now, everyone can do 100 miles an hour, no one can do 110 to pass anybody. Yeah, no, totally. That was, uh, for a Supercross race, that actually really was, um, yeah, 
it was super close and a lot of a lot of guys in contention in that lap. Um, all right, let's let's wrap it up. We'll do. I'm sure we'll talk again. Um, Anytime. What um, What do you want to finish it up with? Who do you want to say hi? Thanks. Anything? Um, yeah, I want to apologize to Dylan Clayton for everyone always mixing up our nicknames. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so tell everybody that doesn't know, Dylan Clayton is Doctor Smooth, and you are Mister Smooth. Yeah, you, get, we know yeah, you, I, you was you you was smooth as a rider, but who actually coined that? Was that Hayden? I, I know. I think it was Gork. Okay. I, I met Gork. I introduced myself to Gork in Nashville because I realized early on if these dudes know who I am, then I'm going to get in the magazine. Right. So I introduced myself to Gork. Said hello. I was 14, whatever. We went to the NBL Grands that year in Louisville. I saw him again. I said hello, and Wendy was right there. And he goes, hey, Wendy, take a picture of this guy. And she took a picture of me, just a portrait. Boom. And then it was in the magazine. And it said something like, readers, Craig Reynolds, uh, Craig Reynolds are our readers. We want you two to get to know each other. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. At that point, I was like, what? And I think he said it. Um, but I didn't like it. I never liked it because I was thought, yeah, you, 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 I don't think I'm that smooth. Like, I don't feel like I'm that smooth on the bike, right? Um so I never really dug it that much, and that was total honest when people would say it. And I'm like, nah, come on, man, for real. Like, there's other dudes that were way smoother than me, like no, Eric Carter. Well, he was as well, but you definitely was. I mean, we, going back to that 87 Worlds, we had that VHS tape was sold in England, and that's where we all, you know, my friend uh, Bobby Hyde's going to listen to this. I'll give him a shout-out because he loves, he loves a bit of Craig Reynolds from that video, but... We got to know you. Like I say, by the time I, I got to meet you and, and race you at the the ABA Grands, you know, in the early 90s, I'd already, yeah, seen you on uh, the World's video and then obviously started following you through the through the magazine. So you was all on our radar. A lot of people in Europe before, yeah, you probably didn't even know that, uh, yeah, you kind of had a fan base and you didn't even know about it, you know? That's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing to me because I was, dude, I'm just Craig from Park Forest, Illinois, right? Yeah, like, okay. I don't... I don't even, I still don't even see it that way. Like, once in a while, my kids will see something like, wait a minute, you were really good. And I'm like, I was all right. Oh, you was good. You was good. All right, let's let's wrap it up, Craig. Anything else you want to have? One last thing I want to talk about was the Terrible 10. Oh, of course. The Terrible 10 would come out in midsummer in Uh Pittsburgh. We would be in Pittsburgh and the Terrible 10 would come out. Dale, (laughs) I would find those fools in practice and get on the game with them. Oh, just to size yourself up against them? Oh, my God. Every time, I'm like, I'm going to beat you fools. I don't care if it's practice or not. Like, I want to be on the Terrible Ten, and this is the way I'm going to get on it. Now, one year, I made honorable mention or something. But, man, every summer, every single summer, when it would come out, we'd be in Pittsburgh, and I would light people up in practice. So you like, never got in the Terrible Ten yourself then, right? No, I was, I was honorable mention. I was. I, I, I think it said something like, we'd like to see him race more ABA. Legitimately, that's what it said. I'm like, really? I can't. Like, all the stuff I'm doing over here doesn't count. Like, okay, whatever. Right. Huh. Another a good good picture of you again, which was, another one was 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 on the radar for us as well. The and it's been posted numerous times. A Christmas classic. I think it's you, Alan Foster, Wild Man. I think it's like a 16 and over open at the Christmas yes! classic. Yes. Yeah, that picture's awesome. You got Dude, mask man, on. that is one of my favorite photos of all time. Yeah. Just. So- MCS, face mask, you know, I may have had some half-finger gloves on or something, too. I think Vision Streetwear. Right. That red frame, like, that was so, I couldn't believe it. I was like, dude, you just won 16 over open, you know. Back in the day, winning open was so awesome, especially when you were the young kid 
winning open. Like Lanny, Lanny Tatton was in lane eight, and uh-huh. I didn't know Alan at that time. Uh, obviously, Todd and I go way back. Todd and I are like cousins, um, <laughs> brothers. Um, but man, there was I, I, you know, I lane one. I just gated and was gone and got done. And I was like, oh shit, I just went open again. Sweet. Yeah, that's an awesome picture. Like and say, that's then when I saw that photo, dude, every time it po- it, it shows up, I'm humbled and so grateful to pull lane one <laughs> that, that main but man that one that one excites me every time i see it. and i always end up showing my wife and my kids I'm like look at this look look at your daddy right here right yeah that is an awesome picture and i like I say i've got some some really good ones that i've uh, pulled up to go alongside this interview so i'll put some around uh when i post all this stuff for everybody to see uh, just some just how cool and smooth you really was yeah <laughs> if anybody but, wants to uh, get hold of you how can they uh, reach you craig uh, you know, obviously through Facebook is always the easiast or you can email me. It's just CR, the number 44 at Mac.com. That's always easy too. But you know, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, I'm always open to chat with people because what we did, Dale was so special and so neat. And I don't think we realized until we were gone. Um, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder, but man, I, I wouldn't have traded a thing at, at all. I had such a good time, a good career. I met some amazing people that are still my friends to this day. Um, and I got to enjoy doing something that, man, I'd love to do. Do what you love, right? Absolutely. And it's not over, you know, you could still get a cruiser and get in that 46 to 50 cruiser class, you know? You could still... You could still man, I want to win a mountain bike race before I race any more BMX. And Are you racing local cross country? I know you ride mountain bike a lot. Yeah, I try to, but I keep getting crushed, dude. I don't have time to ride my I don't have as much time to ride my bike. There's such a solid um, cycling community here. Like, dudes are serious. And I'm out there, and I'm like, getting lapped. I can't even hang with them. They're so strong. And I'm like, I got to spend more time on my bike. But, you know, Max is four years old now, and I didn't want to miss a minute of that. Right. So, yeah. for the last four years, I've been snuggling and cuddling my dude well that's the same as me when i had my daughter i was riding a lot of local mountain bike stuff the year before and uh and then to do good at that you gotta do two three hour rides and and then once you've got kids well at least you know when i got my daughter i'm like i cannot go out on a three hour road ride and that you know and i i never really did you know mountain bikes since then at least at that you know yeah i I don't have that i don't want to make that time i want to spend that time with my crew and with my family like that's so important to me yeah overrides my need and want to go win a win a mountain bike race or win a criterium, right? So yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm you know, I'm almost at the point where I've settled into the fact that I'm going to go to a race and compete and not not compete to win and just enjoy it, right? Yeah, no, I totally get it. It's just yeah, say even at the the old man level, you know, you got to put your you got to put hours in just to compete with them guys. I think you locally anyway, you know. Totally, because they're strong. Dudes are out there riding right now, and it's 40 degrees out in right. dark. Right, yeah, no, I get it. Same, uh, same here. The the local old guy class is really tough unless you're, uh, yeah, putting in the miles. All right, Craig, let's wrap it up. We'll do another one because we didn't cause, you know, me and you will let our texts and um, email, we like text, but when we talk, we always like to talk sauce, you know, and who, yes! who, who was doing it, who wasn't. But I think that maybe we'll save that one for uh, next time we talk because we'll there are some cheating fools out there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because you love to call it out. <laughs> All right, let's leave it here before we get threatened and in trouble. All right, man. Good Thanks, talking. Dale. I appreciate it, buddy. I'll talk with you soon. Thanks. See ya. Bye. That was.